0: Welcome to Light Bites, an occasional podcast from Leeds Institute for Teaching Excellence at the University of Leeds. Episodes will be hosted by members of the Light team.
1: And we'll be showcasing the scholarship of teaching and learning from across the university.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Light Bytes podcast. It's Emma Peasland here, Research and Impact Officer in Light at the University of Leeds. And today I'm joined by Dr. Gillian Proctor, who is nearing the end of a Light Fellowship, which is called Authenticity and Connection Online, and it looks at the psychology of online learning. So hi, Gillian. How are you?
1: I'm good. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Great to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, and we're going to have a bit of a conversation today about your fellowship experience and the research that you've done and the findings. And um, you're drawing close to the end of your fellowship at the moment. And mm-hmm. um, you've produced some uh, kind of outputs and reports and things like that, which people will be able to find. And we can link to um, in the, the description for this um, for this podcast. Um But yeah, I wondered if you might like to start our conversation by telling us a little bit about your fellowship and your research and what it was that you wanted to investigate.
1: Okay, so this all started during COVID. And I was and still am a lecturer in counselling and psychotherapy. And as with everybody, when COVID arose, um, when COVID arrived, um, everybody in the university moved to online teaching just overnight. Um, And this was a real challenge for counselling and psychotherapy because all of our teaching was experiential group work and all about student engagement. And none of us really had any experience of teaching online. But it was it was a really interesting challenge. Um, And during that first lockdown, I worked quite closely with a colleague of mine, Krista Suessman in Austria, who was also working with counselling groups, clients and individuals online and thinking a lot about the psychology of how we relate online and how that's different from relating in person. And we talked a lot about this and she wrote a a paper about the paradoxes of relating psychologically online. Um, And I wanted to think much more deeply about how this related to teaching and learning and what this meant for our ability to be able to use active learning and student engagement online so I developed a research proposal and on my second attempt to try and get some fellowship funding having liaised much more closely and consulted with people around the university about how this fitted into lots of groups and streams and I was successful in getting the fellowship.
0: Great and um you had a really kind of interesting method that you proposed and then uh, used to collect your data. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, could you tell us a little bit about how you tackled your fellowship?
1: Yeah, um, it it was, I mean, it was really fortuitous, really, in a sense, um, the the COVID context, because everybody immediately then had the experience of either teaching or learning online in the university context. And I wanted to recognise the range of that experience and use it. Um, so I wanted to find a methodology that acknowledged that the, people, the participants would also be experienced people in the thing that I was looking at mm-hmm. um, and to use some kind of democratic methodology that didn't see me as the expert with the only agenda but wanted you know everybody involved to be part of it. So um, I used participatory action research and developed or put together two groups, one for educators and one for students.
0: And how many people did you have in each of those groups?
1: Wow, that was interesting. Um, The aim was to get 10 in each group. um, And I anticipated I'd really have a problem getting the educators because everybody was so hard-pressed and busy. In the event, I had about 13 in the educators group. And getting a group of students was much harder, um, even though we had vouchers to pay students for their time. Um, so we had an average of about six students each time, I think.
0: And was it the same people every time?
1: No, it was from a larger pool. The educators were were more or less the same people each time. Um, the students was a pool of about about 10, for which an average of six came each time.
0: Okay, cool. So that's interesting. So I guess that you got perhaps a little bit of a community as people got to know each other as they popped up in the same same times and in fact actually i mean i know a little bit about this study but how often did the groups meet how frequently and and how long did they meet for
1: we met 6 times over a period of about probably 8 months in the end i think some of the one of the groups was cancelled at least due to strikes i think there might have been another cancelled for some reason mm. um so it was it was supposed to be monthly originally and it took us about 8 months so Um, And each time we met, it was for two hours.
0: And I'd love to hear a little bit about what happened in each of those two hour groups.
1: think I I think you're right about the idea of a community developing, certainly within the staff group that was more stable in terms of who attended. I think people got to know each other better during the time and it became easier, I guess. The same with the student group to some extent. I think after about the third group that became a much more regular, stable group of students who did attend, and got to know each other a bit. So my aim in the groups was to model, I guess, the the idea of um, engagement online through the groups and to make them as facilitative as possible and try and use some of the um, skills, I guess, I was exploring about to use in active learning online. So we did things like on arrival to do activities to help people to arrive, leave behind what they had before, to be able to focus on what we were doing and for everybody to say something at the beginning, whatever it was, whether it was how they were doing, where they were, what the weather was like, that kind of thing, just so everyone got a chance to say something early on Mm -hmm. um, and get to know each other a bit more personally. Um, And then I also worked with a student intern that I was lucky enough to have as part of the project who was brilliant in getting together all the literature that was already out there on online learning and the psychology of that which was actually very little that was particularly related to the paradoxes we were looking at. But they put together the information that was there along with the information from Krista Sussman's paper about the paradoxes and presented each time at the beginning of the four main groups um, a particular theme that we were going to focus on in those groups. The four themes we looked at were contact, first of all, which was basically... And of what gets in the way or what, what helps us to be in contact with each other on a really basic level as in noticing that the other person's there mm-hmm. and obviously with connection problems and multitasking that you know there are problems with that at a really basic level. The second theme is authenticity and um, so that was really about how much does everyone feel able to be themselves in this environment. The third theme was connection which was a much kind of a much deeper level of noticing each other but feeling resonance with each other having you know having some sense that you're not alone and have some shared shared thing to talk about and then the fourth theme was um inequalities or yeah inequalities and how those inequalities arise particularly in the digital environment Mm. and so we had an introduction session two and then we had a final session after those themes where the recommendations that we'd pulled out got fed back to the groups for feedback and to refine and to kind of check whether the things we'd the the recommendations we'd pulled out from the data were valid for those groups
0: so it sounds then like the each group had a topic Mm -hmm. and everyone would kind of discuss that topic in the group and then you had an opportunity to reflect on that so how how did you get data out of those conversations. Well, that
1: was the best bit, really, Um, in terms of how pragmatic this was as a methodology. So we recorded each session. So we had the data to go back to. But um, in the event, it was quite easy to get from the discussions, which had already been focused on a topic and a theme, to then pull out from the discussions, what people were suggesting were the main themes and what the potential recommendations about how we could best facilitate Online learning that came from that, so it really was a kind of. Um, so, what would this mean in practice? How could we? What's the best way we could do that? And then going back in the last group to say, this is what we thought might come out of this particular theme. What do you think? When might that work? When might it not? And coming up with as many possible recommendations as as we could really.
0: Great. So those conversations kind of elicited uh, practical approaches to addressing some of the problems that people um discussed in those groups perhaps about being present or being authentic when or connected when you're sat in um in my case when i work at home i'm sat in my back bedroom which is quite cold and someone else might be in a really busy kitchen or something Mm -hmm. like that so how are we really present and connected in the context of the call that we're on Mm -hmm. um rather than being in our cold back bedroom or a busy kitchen or something like that
1: Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the recommendations, the whole point was to pull out practical recommendations really as an output. Um, But a lot of of the recommendations were not, this is what everyone should do. It was more about, these are some of the difficulties you might want to try, Mm -hmm. A, B or C.
0: Excellent. Um, So, yes, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about what you did find out from these groups and these conversations then. Mm.
1: Well... Probably the main finding I think that came out from it was um, a realization that this sudden move to online learning for a lot of people. I mean, I know online learning had ex- pre existed COVID for some people by a long way, but for the majority of people who moved suddenly on the, online, a kind of new online culture arose that hadn't been decided on but just happened. Mm. So, for example, most people had the experience that as educators that they were teaching to rooms of black tiles and none of the students were putting their cameras on, for example. And that was just something that happened, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the time and wasn't terribly questioned, even though a lot of people struggled with it, but it was kind of seen to be such an anxiety-provoking time anyway that people were just glad that students were turning up, I think, really, on the whole. Um, and so one of the major recommendations that came from this is that we really need to kind of set up a new culture for online learning and to establish clear kind of protocols or, or guidelines about what, what we're expecting from people attending synchronous sessions. And my research was specific to synchronous mm-hmm. sessions because that's the only time that you've got an opportunity to engage psychologically with other people who are there at the same time. So, so, what came from that was the idea of an online student synchronous session protocol, which said things like, "Multitasking is a myth." Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know you're likely when you're online, to be pulled in varying directions with many things that are going to grab your attention, and these are but we hope you know we're expecting that you try and focus on your teaching and learning. And these are the things that you could do to try and do that. So things like turning off notifications, trying not to be disturbed and thinking about ways to do that. Um, And one of the things that came in the protocol was to say we expect people to attend with their cameras on to increase engagement. Um, And obviously that can't always happen for everybody all the time for all sorts of reasons, whether it's connection problems or accessibility issues. But as as a general protocol and as a general kind of learning culture, we wanted that to to be the culture that was established. So the online student protocol was one of the main outputs that came from it. The second main thing was to say that synchronous sessions should really be an opportunity in online teaching to promote engagement rather than an opportunity where everybody's expected to turn up at a certain time but just watch mm-hmm. you know that it should be more of an engagement taking part in activity rather than a spectator sport um so really moving in with the principles of active learning and um and not the kind of old style pedagogical student um student um doesn't know anything educator is the expert mm. conveying knowledge um and so the, so the other main kind of re- recommendation was how to create or design a curriculum that was coherent, where the synchronous sessions fitted in with other material that was available online, whether that was through flip learning or whatever else, and through non-synchronous um, discussion boards, for example, but how to fit it all together so that the synchronous sessions would maximise the student engagement.
0: Excellent. So there's kind of two key strands there. There's almost uh, is it a student-facing online protocol mm-hmm. so that uh, staff can say to students these are the terms on which we will all engage in this session yeah. and for these reasons. Mm-hmm. And then uh, kind of some staff-facing resources to encourage staff to think about how they can best use synchronous online sessions um, to promote engagement.
1: Definitely. And the promoting engagement was a big part of that staff-facing output. And there's a third bit really spoke in this wheel, I guess, um, which is about the resources and support needs of the staff and the students to make this possible. And that had much wider implications for the university. So in terms of campus design and needing private and soundproof spaces for people to attend synchronous sessions Mm. and how to address digital inequalities and make sure that the devices were feasible and the, the Wi-Fi is feasible for everyone to attend.
0: Great. And am I right in thinking that you've also created an output that explains the novel method that you use to share that with people who might be interested in uh, recreating your kind of approach to collecting data? You
1: are absolutely right that that's the intention. And that's next on my list to do that. Um, I'm presenting at a conference in January about the method specifically. So that will kind of give me the the basics of what I need to then create a sway for how to use this methodology because I, I thought it was a great methodology. Excellent. I'd, li- I'd like to encourage other people to use it too.
0: Brilliant so that ones are coming soon so mm-hmm. the things that we've discussed already the uh, online learning protocol and the guidance for staff wanting to use synchronous online sessions to promote engagement they exist already. They do. They are hosted on the light website on your Page. So mm-hmm. we'll include a link to that um, in the description for this episode. Um, and then the, the method guide is a coming soon.
1: And there are two other documents that people might want to access through my um, website, through the Light website fellowship pages. One is a document about pedagogical approaches and active learning and the particular, the particular um, philosophical foundations, I guess, of, en- of student engagement online. And the second one is a summary of the psychological paradoxes that we're investigating and looking at.
0: Brilliant. And those were the paradoxes that underpin the topics for the That's group right. discussions. Yeah. Um, so it all sounds really positive. I was just wondering if you encountered any challenges in your approach or throughout the fellowship.
1: Well, looking back, it kind of feels like it's gone incredibly smoothly. And to have finished the project before the end of the fellowship, I'm quite amazed by really. Um, at the time, there were there were kind of anxious moments, probably mainly in terms of students attending the action research groups and not being sure each time whether enough people would attend for it to be a group. Um, however, each time enough people, as in at least three, and I think there was only one group there was where there was only three and most groups had more than that. Um, so each time the anxiety kind of, we got through the anxiety and it was okay. Um, I'm not sure that anything... I- I can't think of what I could do differently to do that. I think it was just really hard to find a time and students are so pressured to complete their course requirements and everything else they have going on in their lives. I think vouchers were essential to provide some kind of incentive. Um, And I I don't know what else. I mean, we did some work at the beginning kind of um, with seminars and trying to talk about why this mattered. I, I really don't know what else we could have done. And in the event, we got a, quite a good range of students from different faculties, from international students. So, you know, it all turned out well in the end, really, but but, but it wasn't a smooth run all the way.
0: Brilliant. And, yeah, of course, offering vouchers is something that we encourage everyone to do in the Light Fellowship because not only does it incentivize participation, It also provides an acknowledgement of the contribution that students are are giving to the research projects that are undertaken through light fellowships. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then if we kind of zoom out and think about uh, kind of the big picture, Mm -hmm. how are you hoping that your findings, your outputs are going to be useful in practice? Or what are you hoping might change as a result of your research and putting your outputs out there?
1: Okay um, well at the moment we're piloting the resources with one fully online course and one hybrid course and um, so they've they shared the online synchronous student protocol with their students and the educators are using the Sway for student engagement so I'm hoping to be able to evaluate their use with those two programs before the fellowship finishes or shortly afterwards and change the resources according to that mm-hmm. um, and then hopefully find ways to implement it much more broadly. So with all the fully online courses um, and with as many hybrid programs or online modules as we possibly can, doing that in practice might take some time. And I think changing the online culture again will take some time. Mm. So kind of trying to implement this for programs from the start within the marketing material before students arrive is going to be the most effective way to kind of, rather than changing a culture during the programs. And that's going to take time, really. But I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful it will make a difference. There's, there's enough people who are hopeful and um, and wanting to do something different with synchronous sessions at the moment that I'm hoping it will really make a difference. But there's also some work to be done looking at how this might be, need to be different for particular disciplines that are much more used to um, a different pedagogical style, shall we say, where students and educators are, are less into student engagement in terms of principles so it's we need to think about that
0: so might that be disciplines where there's perhaps more of a kind of tradition of lecturing and a bit less uh maybe seminars or uh, that kind of disciplines
1: yeah disciplines where there seem to be much more of a right and a wrong answer rather than anything to debate or discuss
0: okay yeah that's interesting Mm. um well It's been an absolute pleasure watching this fellowship kind of take shape and and grow over the past, I think, two years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really exciting to be here having this conversation at the end where there are outputs that you're able to share now and hopefully um, help people to maximise that student engagement in online synchronous sessions and hopefully really enhance people's experiences of leading and participating in them as well.
1: I hope so. Yeah, it's been great to get to this point.
0: Yeah. So, well, thank you for joining me today for this conversation. It's been great to hear a little bit more about the research and how it's gone. Um, and as I've said, we'll put the links to all of Gillian's outputs and her page on the Light website um, in the description for the show. Uh, and I'm sure that Gillian wouldn't mind if you have any questions, if you you contact uh, Gillian directly. Absolutely. And just to say thanks to Light, they are a fantastic
1: resource to support research, really. Marvellous. Thank you very much.